This morning we're going to see that war played out in living color. As the Israelites, God's chosen people, they're called on, they're commanded, drive out the Canaanites. I almost said the Canadians, Kevin. That one. <laughs> yeah, they're blowing smoke on us. Stop it. <laughs> oh, drive out the Canadians from amongst us. <laughs> In Deuteronomy 18, Leviticus 18, the Lord makes it clear to Israel, the reason I'm asking you to drive them out is because of their excessive wickedness. That's what we need to understand. These weren't innocent, kind people Israel was stealing land from. They were cruel. They were evil people. And they were going to face consequences. The Lord uses Israel as his instrument to get that job done. That's what's going on here. They were God's instruments of justice. Yes, there are some people out there today who don't like the book of Judges. Just need to know that. 2023, some people say this is barbaric uh, stuff. And the book of Judges gets a lot of criticism because people say it gives uh, religious fanatics permission. They'll say, I'm God's tool of righteousness. Therefore, I will be judge, jury, and executioner under the guise of being an instrument of God's judgment. Okay? So, So lean in with me for a second. There are some people who believe They are on a mission from God to bring judgment. Can I just say, anybody who claims that is either a liar or they are pathologically deceived. Okay, I wanted to say that strong. They're just deceived and we should pay no attention to people who think they are God's instrument of judgment. Now some atheists... They use the book of Joshua and Judges, driving out the Canaanites. They use that as proof that the God of the Bible has a character issue. See, we can't trust because look what he's doing. And if you've ever heard that or if you'd like to dig deeper, let me put you up a book up here that I would encourage you. Uh, Is God a Moral Monster? Great book to answer that question What's going on here? And if you want some better answers to why God uses Israel as his instrument of judgment, this would be a great book. You can order that up. Okay? Here's the truth. If it wasn't for the fall and our old sinful, selfish natures, we wouldn't be asking these questions. Okay? This is more of a people problem than a God problem. This is more because of... Uh, what's going on in our lives. In fact, the Old Testament is ultimately dealing with this question about God's justice. If God is looking as a holy, righteous, awesome, perfect God, and he can't tolerate sin, why does he tolerate any of us? That's really the question that we should be asking. Uh, And the answer to that question is, He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the world. Jesus didn't come to take life. 
Jesus came to earth what? To lay down his life as a sacrifice for you and for me. And as followers of Jesus, we lay down our lives and we show mercy, we show forgiveness, we show grace, not judgment. That's God's job, not ours, okay? As John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 reminds us, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Jesus. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in Jesus has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. That's the gospel. Okay, All throughout Judges, we're going to see humanity is fallen and wicked and sinful, and God is faithfully waiting to pour out his grace and his mercy. And all the children of Israel need to do is turn from their wicked ways and cry out to God, and the Lord hears them and shows mercy and grace and forgiveness again and again and again. Okay, There's a cycle going on here. We'll put that up as well. It's uh, the cycle of unbelief. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord and served idols. The anger of the Lord was hot against them. They faced judgment and oppressors. They cry out to the Lord for mercy and grace. And God sends a deliverer. He sends a judge to come. And then guess what happens? It all starts again. <laughs> again and again and they do evil, and they rebel against the Lord. This morning in Judges chapter 2, we're going to get God's take on what went wrong okay, with his chosen people. We're going to see it seven times, again and again and again. And here's, here's the big headline today. Without trust, we go bust. Okay? You want to say that with me? It's kind of fun. Without trust, we go bust, if you're able would you stand with me? We're going to read out loud the first five verses, Judges chapter 2. Read with me, please. Maybe. Here we go. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bokan and said, I brought you out of Egypt and led you into the land. I swore to give your ancestors. I said... I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things, to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called that place Bochum. There they offered sacrifices to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we need your help today because we're talking about um, history that happened a long time ago. But you inspired these words to be written down for us. And Lord, I believe they're profitable. They teach us. They challenge us. They correct us. 
they uh, make us more like your son Jesus. So would you do that this morning, Lord? And uh, where we've gotten stuck in the spin cycle of sin, would you point that out? We welcome you, Lord. You're, uh, you're the awesome one. Please come and take charge today in your church. And all the church family at Wallowing Lake said with one expectant voice, you can be seated. Key core principle, you already said it with me, Judges chapter 2, without trust, we go bust. (laughs) Until we learn to trust and believe and obey the Lord's command, we're going to be stuck in the same cycle of sin as the children of Israel. Again and again and again. And some of you, that's exactly, you pick the dandelions and they're back the next day and you're going, sin again, the same, it happens again. The Lord is speaking very clearly, very simply to his people. Obedience is the evidence of your trust in the Lord. Okay? Obedience is trusting God's ability to fulfill his promises. Okay? When we obey God's commands, we're trusting what he's promised. When, when we obey God's commands, we're trusting that he can accomplish what he's promised. Let's look and see what the angel of the Lord, God's messenger, said. He said, I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give to your ancestors, and I said I would never break my covenant with you. I promised I'd get you out of Egypt. You were slaves, and I've come through on my end, and now you're out of Egypt. You're no longer slaves. On your end, Israel, here's the obedience side. You need to trust in my power. You need to trust that I've given you this new land. Look at verse 1. I've given you this new land, verse 2, and I've commanded you, don't make covenants Don't make treaties with the people living in the land. Don't do that. You were to destroy their altars. You were to destroy and tear down their false idols. But you've disobeyed. Why? Why have you disobeyed? Note, their disobedience comes from their lack of trust. Track with me. By disobeying God's commands, we place our desires and our wants above God's commands. It's believing that we know better than God. I know what you want me to do, Lord, but I'm pretty sure I've got a better idea. I'm pretty sure my outcome is going to be better than your outcome, God. I know your plans and your commands, but I'm going to do it my way. Verse 3, track with me, consequence for your rebellion. I'm no longer going to drive out your enemies. The Canaanites and the Amorites will be thorns in your side. Uh, Constantly, their gods and their altars will be a constant temptation to you. You're going to be tempted to serve them and live for them and obey them. The Lord is showing them there's a deeper problem here, okay? It's not, it's not that the Israelites tried to drive out the Canaanites and they didn't have enough power. 
That's not the issue. They didn't try and cry out to the Lord. Um, It's not a lack of power. It's because they were supposed to obey God and they wouldn't obey God because they didn't trust him. We think we have a better idea and we don't really trust you. We're going to trust our plan. Okay? It's not that the Israelites ran to God and said, Oh, we're broken and weak. Jehovah God, we need you. The problem is they didn't go to God at all. The problem is uh, they didn't even consult what they should do with the Lord. They knew what his commands were. There was no power shortage here. There was a trust and faith shortage here. Do you understand? No power shortage. God said, I'll come through, and he would have, but they didn't trust him. They didn't believe him. They failed to drive out the Canaanites, not because of a lack of power, not because of a lack of strength. It was a lack of trust. It was a lack of faith. It was a lack of believing and doing it God's way. Question. What are the Canaanites in your life today? What are... What are those areas of sin that God has said, I want you to drive out? I want want those areas of sin in your life gone. Now we can follow the lead of the children of Israel and we can just let the enemies of Jesus and his spirit continue on. That's, That's an option. We can keep on allowing the enemies of Jesus to drive us further and further into prodigal land, and will become our own worst enemies. Some of us, our own worst enemies is the person in the mirror. It is. Or we can trust Jesus completely. Admit, I can't defeat this entangling sin on my own, Lord, but in your power and your spirit living in me, through Jesus in me, I can drive out those Canaanite idols. With you in me, Jesus, there's no power shortage here. There's no strength shortage. In your power, we can drive out the sinful Canaanite enemies of our soul. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That's really the question. It's never a power or strength shortage. Jesus invites all of us uh, to in his power to rule and reign. Jesus, you come, you can take charge, or like the children of Israel, eh, we'll, we'll, we'll let the Canaanite enemy, just kind of, we'll make friends with our sin nature. We'll make friends with our entangling, besetting sins. We'll be okay with living with all of the sin and allow it to discourage and defeat us. Here's the message. From the Lord, doubt-filled disobedience leads to defeat. Trust-filled obedience leads to victory and peace. You want to say that with me? Say it with me. Doubt-filled disobedience leads to... But trust-filled obedience leads to victory and peace. Now, you would think they would get the message and wake up. But sadly, the situation with God's chosen people goes from bad to worse. Okay? We've seen disobedience leads to defeat. Trust-filled obedience leads to victory and peace. Now we're going to see if we're not trusting the God who saves, 
were serving the gods who enslave. Verse 10, read on with me in your Bible, on your phone. Here's what it says. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Parents, cred parents, verse 10 should get our attention. If we don't pass it on, the next generation will not know Jesus. That's up to us. Verse 11. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned. And the people, they were in great distress. Wow. Verse 10, they neither knew the Lord nor did they acknowledge the Lord. They, they probably heard the stories from their parents. Oh yeah, God has done great things in our past. They knew what Jehovah had done, but God's presence and power no longer mattered to them. Okay? They forgot the God who had saved their parents and their grandparents. Verse 11, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They actively served and worshipped the idols of Baal. Do you see that? Baal means Lord or Master. So the false gods, the false idols of the Canaanites became their false gods. They forgot about capital G God, Jehovah God, and they served the many little gods of their pagan neighbors. Verse 12, they went after other gods, they worshipped and served the false gods, they had a severe case of FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. They, they were afraid. It looks like the Canaanites and the Amorites are having a lot of fun. Their parties sound like a lot of fun. So they were going to taste and sample all of the shiny sins for fear they might miss out on something. They were afraid there might be something out there that we're not going to enjoy, so they chased after all of their pagan neighbors worshiping. And can't you see that's exactly what's happening today? Many of us, oh, I'm a child of God. I got my ticket to heaven, but I don't want to miss out on any of the fun that's going on around me, so I'm going to chase after the false gods, money, success, sex, and no matter how hard we chase, guess what we come up with? Here's what Solomon said. It's all vain. It's nothing. It's like chasing after the wind. Ecclesiastes 12, here's what he says. Here's now my final conclusion. Richest man in all of history. 
fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. (laughs) So, the children of Israel are in a world of hurt. They've forgotten the Lord. They've disobeyed his commands. They've served the pagan gods of their pagan neighbors. And the judgment and consequences are suffocating them. What in the world will they do now? Go back to the text. Verse 16. What will they do now? Then the Lord raised up judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge over Israel, he was with that judge and rescued the people from their enemies throughout the judge's lifetime. For the Lord took pity on his people who were burdened by oppression and suffering. You would think, you would think that after being rescued from their attackers, and God coming to their rescue, wouldn't you think they'd learn their lesson? (laughs) Wouldn't you think, you know what, it didn't go so well last time, let's stay strong with the Lord. You would think they would stay committed to Jehovah God, but look at verse 19. But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, served and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. So, here's the question. How can we break the stubborn cycle of rebellion and sin? Because we do the same thing. We do. How can we avoid the crazy cycle of chasing after the latest shiny way to sin and rebel against the Lord Jesus. How, how can we avoid being our own worst enemies? Okay? So I'm going to offer you four ways to not be your own worst enemies. I would suggest you might want to grab a pen or a pencil or a crayon or something and, and write down how can I avoid uh, the spin cycle of sin? Okay? Four ways. First is this, keep short accounts with Jesus. Keep short accounts with the Lord. Here's what I mean by that. When you sin and you fall and you fail or you jump into sin, we can do all of that. Here's the question, how long are you going to lay there? You're going to lay in the mud and the manure for an hour, for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year? I'm arguing if you want to break the spin cycle of sin, quickly do the U-turn and run to the Lord and confess. Why? Because when we allow sin to fester and linger, over time it becomes a foothold. Tracking with me? Satan gets a foothold in our life. The door is cracked. And over time, if you continue to lay in that sin, a foothold becomes a what? A stronghold. And now 
we've invited Satan and his demonic monkeys to come and run our zoo. And we wonder why we're struggling with the spin cycle of sin. It ruins our life. Second way to not be your own worst enemy, daily invite Jesus to take charge of your life. Okay? Daily. Make it a daily habit. Every day, Lord, I know my default setting is what? Me, myself, and I. Every day when I wake up, it's amazing. I don't have to do anything, Myron. Automatically, it's me, myself, and I. So unless I invite Jesus to come and take charge, Jesus, I yield, I surrender, drive out old sinful selfish Jeff. Unless I invite Jesus to do that, then I'm just going to live today in my old sinful selfish nature. Okay. Uh, as soon as I sense the fruits of the flesh, if I get a whiff of impatience, that's mine one, almost always, that's the first one. When I realize I'm getting impatient, or I'm feeling tempted, or I'm feeling snippy and grumpy. Anybody with me? Uh, what do you got to do? You, that's, those are the symptoms, the fruit of the fruit of the flesh. I need to run back to Jesus and get refilled and recharged. Number three, third way not to be your own enemy. Keep God's word. Keep Jesus flowing in your head. Okay? Keep Jesus Filled in your brain, okay? Christian music that exalts Jesus is powerful. It's nearly impossible to be singing, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh my soul. You can sing with me if you want. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul. I worship his holy name. Christine did way better at that. But uh, anyway, it's, it's nearly impossible to sin and worship Jesus at the same time. That's the truth. I'm telling you, get in your brain God's book. Constantly be listening and, and chewing like cow's cud on God's word. Daily fill your mind. Here's, here's the idea. Okay? You've got two dogs in you. I've got two dogs in me. I've got Jesus and his spirit, my new nature in me, and I have old, sinful, selfish Jeff. Okay? Now, here's, here's the plan. I want the Jesus in me to be a 150-pound Rottweiler. Do you understand? That's, the, that's what I want Jesus. So I've got to feed Jesus i got to say sick them to Jesus. Every day I'm devoted to my Jesus dog. And I want old sinful, I want the old nature, that to be a four-pound chihuahua. Do you understand? So you, get, you build up that, old, that, that new dog, new Jesus, and you starve the old dog. That's the challenge. And every day we, we got to just keep feeding the Jesus in us. Fourth way, to not be your own worst enemy. Hang with people who love Jesus and live strong for him. Make, make those people who really love Jesus, surround yourself with people who love Jesus. The people we surround ourselves are the biggest influence on our behavior. 
who we hang with influences our thinking, our words, our actions, who we become. Our friends set the course for our lives. Uh, Motivational speaker Jim Rohn, I agree with him, says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Isn't that interesting? You are the average of the five people you spend most time with. So you better make sure the five that you spend the most time with really love Jesus. Proverbs 13.20 says it this way, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. And isn't that what happened to children? The children of Israel didn't associate with the wise. They associated with the fools and got in trouble. The people we spend the most time with shape who we are. People we hang the most time with uh, determine the conversations we speak. Uh, They affect our attitudes, our behaviors. They, They affect how we think and how we behave. The people you're with on a daily basis really, really matter. Which is why... The Lord said to his chosen love people, I don't want you hanging with pagan, idol-worshiping neighbors. That's why, because you're going to start living and worshiping and thinking and speaking and singing their Canaanite tunes, and that's exactly what happened. You want to break the cycle of sin, rebellion in your life? You want to not be your own worst enemies? Keep short accounts with Jesus. We all slip and fall, James says, in various ways. But don't just lay there, get up. Quickly do the U-turn and run back to Jesus and get right with him and confess and get full of him. Get daily in the habit of inviting Jesus and his spirit to take charge. Every day, Lord, I need you to come take charge and empower me to live for you and drive out that old sinful, selfish nature. Keep God's word. Third, don't be your own worst enemy. Keep God's word and Jesus' music flowing in your head. Fourth, hang with people who love and live strong for Jesus. Here's the truth. Remember, without trust... We go, without trust, we go trusting, obeying, walking with our good shepherd Jesus determines whether we're going to live a blessed, make a difference life or if we're going to roll around in the mud and the manure in the sewers of this fallen world. It really does. It's that stark of a choice. It was in Judges 2, it is in 2023. You're going to live strong daily for Jesus? Is that going to be the priority? Or, or are you just going to hang with your pagan neighbors and, and make mud pies in the sewers of this world? Let's pray as we close. Lord, would you speak? Because we're listening now. We need to hear from you. We need to hear what you have to say about your book regarding our lives. Show us. Show us 
how the children of Israel's cycle of sin applies to me. Here's what I wonder. Are you stuck in the spin cycle of sin? Are you, are you trying to walk with Jesus, but you keep winding back up in the ditch? The entangling, besetting sins have you by the throat? Here's the truth. It's not a power shortage. It's not a strength shortage. Jesus in you, you have the power to live victoriously and daily for Jesus. So here's some questions. Are you keeping short accounts with Christ? Have you made it the habit, the key habit of your life to invite Jesus and his spirit to take charge and empower you? Are you regularly filling your mind with God's word, with music that exalts Jesus Christ? And who are you hanging with? Are you mostly hanging with people who love and live strong for Jesus, or are you mostly hanging with Canaanites? Lord, would you give us victory? (laughs) Would you give us the strength not to be our own worst enemies? Second Corinthians five twenty one tells us, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the sin offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Only through the cross. Can we be made right with a holy, righteous God? It's only through Jesus and his shed blood and his resurrection from the dead that we can find freedom and victory. So have have you been to the cross for salvation? Maybe that's a a basic question. Have you been, by faith, uh, offering your life to Jesus as your offering for your sin problem? Have you welcomed Jesus into your life? Have you opened the door and received Jesus as your Savior, your King, your forever friend? Only you can do that for you. Have you done that? Well, I don't know how to do that. It's the facts. Jesus, I believe, you are the sinless Lamb of God. Jesus, I believe, by faith, you took my place on that cross. Jesus, I believe you shed your blood for my sin problem. Jesus, I believe you took my place in the grave. And Jesus, I believe early Sunday morning, victoriously, powerfully you arose from the dead for me. I believe. And now, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I I receive you by faith. I open the door of my life. Come on in. 
Save me. Empower me to live strong for you. And if you're here in person today, I encourage you, make your way to the prayer corner. You can go now. You can go during the closing song. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'd love to have a personal chat with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. You make all the difference in the world. You always come to our rescue. Thank you for coming to the rescue of the children of Israel. Thank you for coming to our rescue today. And you're ready to do that even right now. We love you. We're grateful now to worship you in your book. And we're grateful now we get to worship you as we sing to you one last time. So we love you. It's in the awesome name of Jesus we pray all these things.